uh, 10 points last week, 7 this week, level of frustration right now? Well, I don't know how to give you a measurement. I don't know what the scale is for that level, but uh, certainly when you're not putting as many points on the board as, as you know you're capable of or you've shown in past games, it, it is disappointing. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. Go. Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. An ugly close to the NFL Week 14 last night for the Packers' rival, the Minnesota Vikings, getting stomped in Seattle. Tough place to play, no doubt about that. Dropping to 6-6-1, a 500 record, losing by a score of 21 to 7 and this is the Wisco Sports Show. You got that right here on WKTY. I'm not just here to troll Vikings fans and to troll the Vikings today. And I know that the focus here is Wisconsin sports and it is the Packers and the Brewers and the Badgers, but things that happened yesterday for the Vikings are incredibly pertinent and incredibly influential on the rest of the NFC North and therefore on the Vikings plus it's just a lot of interesting storylines last night for the team across the river. So we're going to dive into that and like I said, I'm not here to troll Vikings fans today. So if you are a Vikings fan and you have stumbled upon this program, even though it is called the Wisco Sports Show, I welcome you today. Welcome in. We're going to talk a little bit of Vikings after last night's game in Seattle, the 21-7 finish. Uh, The Vikings all but shut out if it weren't for uh, the last couple of minutes and some garbage time points from Kirk Cousins throwing a touchdown pass to make the score at least look respectable and avoid the shutout. And you can chime in as well because we we are going to have some interesting conversations surrounding this Vikings team, uh, the neighbor. Uh, in the NFC North to the Green Bay Packers. 608-796-2558. The five-star telecom talk and text line is open. Either a phone call or a text. Uh, and we can talk about the many storylines that are surrounding this Vikings team right now. And, and maybe Vikings fans, if you're out there and you're listening, a bit, a bit of perspective for me. Uh, although we don't talk about the Vikings in detail very often on this show. It's a couple of interesting topics to cover today, and it's more than just a game as uh, the Vikings parting way, parting ways with a member of their coaching staff, and we'll get to all of that soon enough here. I just don't get it. I don't get this Vikings team. I thought Howie Long, as part of the Fox pregame show uh, a couple weeks ago, if it's called NFL Sunday or whatever it is, right before the game, start talking about the Minnesota Vikings and, and used an expression that I had never heard before and actually really, really liked. He said, the Vikings look really good getting off the bus. Really good roster. They have really good players at just about every level on both sides of the ball, but yet they sit at 500. And as I pointed out on Twitter yesterday, to the dismay of a couple of Vikings fans, the Vikings should really be 6-7 and seven right now, not 6-6-1. Six, six and Because that week two debacle at Lambeau Field, but we don't need to talk about that today. Uh, and, and they do sit at 500, including that extra tie that falls in the third column at 6-6-1. Six, six and one. I don't get it. I just don't get why this team's not better. Much like I don't get why the Packers aren't better. Let's let's uh, let's be honest here. I don't get it. I don't get it. And if I was the general manager, Rick Spielman, for the Minnesota Vikings, I'd be pissed. I'd be pissed. I'd say, what the hell? I put all this talent at every level on the defense. You have one of the best safeties in the league. You have one of the deepest, most solid linebacking cores in the league. And that Minnesota, that, that defensive front is tough. I know it doesn't have Khalil Mack and it doesn't have Von Miller and it doesn't get the name recognition, but Neil Hunter is up near the top. I don't know if he's still leading. I didn't check, but he is, you know, damn close to leading the league in sacks. Put Everson Griffin on the other side, and then you have some big boys like Linval Joseph and Sheldon Richardson. That's a mean front seven the Vikings got over there. And their defense has been good. It was good yesterday. It hasn't been as good all season long. 
but their defense is nasty. I think they have one of the best one-two punches, at least this season, in terms of wide receivers in, in Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. I don't know if Thielen, what the rest of his career will look like, but he's certainly having a season for the books. Stephon Diggs is obviously quick, athletic, and, and great in space. They have a veteran tight end in Kyle Rudolph, which is something that not a lot of teams can say. How long have the Packers been looking for that? And the Cowboys now without Jason Witten, uh, they're asking him to come back and leave the broadcasting booth. I don't think that can be understated. And Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray, two different types of running backs, a deep, a deep stable of running backs. And Kirk Cousins, look, I don't know if he's worth all the money that they paid him. I'm not really going to focus on that today. That's what I heard when I was listening to some, uh, some K-Fan this morning and doing some reading and you know, well, they paid Kirk Cousins all this money. Forget, fans aren't paying for the money. Who cares how much they paid him? The point is, Kirk Cousins' contract is not hindering this team right now. Right now. In terms of winning games, week in and week out. The 2018-2019 season, that contract is not making a difference. Now, in off-seasons to come, yeah, it might make a difference. But right now, it's not. And they're not winning games. I don't get it. I don't get it. 608-796-2558, if you know why especially Vikings fans out there, and I tried to talk to a couple here at the station before we went on just to try to get a pulse. I don't get it. And my takeaway would be, if I was the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, I'd be pissed. I don't know if it's the fault of the coaching staff. I know they made some changes yesterday, which is what we're going to talk about big time coming up next here in a few minutes. Made a swap on their coaching staff, and, and Coach Zimmer is is obviously, he's got, he had the defense rolling last night. There's been games where the defense hasn't played as well. But this team, I think, underperforming, and Howie Long summed it up really, really well when he said, Team looks really good getting off the bus. After that, they they have underperformed, and I know they've had games this year where they've looked tremendous. And they've had a rough couple of weeks. They had to go from New England to Seattle. Other teams have done that, including the Green Bay Packers this year. I just I, I don't take a whole lot of stock into that. You got to win some of these games, and their roster is a lot better than the Green Bay Packers. And I think the Green Bay Packers have underperformed for their roster. I think they have a much more talented roster than people give them credit for. I know they've faced some injuries, but. I think they're both underperforming. Toma Dan says Vikings are like the Packers, overpaid, underachievers. Toma, uh, Toma Dan, I, Toma's obviously not your first name. Dan, I, I think there's something to be said for that. I, th- I think both of the, these teams right now have some really highly paid players that aren't living up to the contract. And, and I want to put something in perspective here. And we talk about the pay of a player. First of all, I'm never going to fault a player for going getting as much money as he can because any of these players could could snap their leg or could have a game ending or a career ending neck injury. A life-threatening injury at any point. So to, to, to think that any player should be unselfish and try to take less money for the fans' sake and for their team's sake is silly. Get the money when you can. I'm not saying that. But the Packers and the Vikings both have paid out some decent-sized contracts to players who are underperforming. And Kirk Cousins is not alone in that category. I think you can look at the Green Bay Packers and players like Nick Perry. And Randall Cobb, who's getting paid a good amount of money. I know he was injured, but nonetheless, there's money going to a player who hasn't really lived up to to his quota this year. Randall Cobb's a good example. Brian Bulaga's been injured a lot. He's obviously making a good sum of money. Heck, Mason Crosby, the one player no Packer fan wants to talk about. I'm not saying he has cost the Packers games this year. Certainly didn't do his part to help beat Detroit back in the early rungs of the season. And and could have kicked a game-winning field goal against Minnesota at home in warm weather. Didn't do it. A lot of money going to Randall Cobb. Not a lot of money, but in terms of percentage of the salary cap being dedicated, he's up there in kickers around the NFL. He's making a good percentage of money off of this team, not really performing as well as he could be. And I think Kirk Cousins falls into that boat. Dan Bailey, I mean, hasn't been great kicking the ball. I know he's not getting paid nearly as much as Kirk Cousins, but that's a problem for teams. When you pay out big contracts, you expect those players to perform. And right now, that hasn't been the case. I know the Kirk Cousins narrative is... Everybody's got a different take today on Kirk Cousins. Whether it's his fault or if it's the offensive line fault and 
and or whose fault it is. I don't know. But there's some people that saying it's Kirk, some people saying it's not. There's a couple statistics you can't really tiptoe around, and we're going to talk about that coming up next. I want to talk about not only the shifting that's going on in the Vikings coaching staff right now, and and I didn't mean to bury the lead on that. Obviously, John DeFilippo was asked to move on by Mike Zimmer today, and and we'll talk about that coming up next and, and a bunch of other things as well surrounding this, including some statistics from Kirk Cousins that I think are interesting. You've probably seen him at this point, but I'd like to give him some perspective because I don't think they've been presented fairly, and I don't think they've presented uh, been presented in a good way by most media representations that I've seen today. So we're going to continue to talk about that. The Five Star Telecom talking text line is still open, 608-796-2558. Scott Stack says, and Aaron Rodgers. That's a good point, Scott. Another good example of somebody on this Green Bay Packers team, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we ran down who was making the largest percentage of the salary cap, because it's not just how much money they're making, right? It's the percentage of the funds that the team has, the percentage of that salary cap. Aaron Rodgers taking up a good portion of that, and although he has not been a disaster... He hasn't lived up to the money that he got paid. He has not been the elite quarterback that I think the Packers wanted to give that contract to. And that's a problem. And that's a problem for the Vikings right now, too. And we're going to keep that talking. Like I said, this is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. And we are starting with some Vikings talk today. Um, Because it's not just a run-of-the-mill Vikings loss. There's some really interesting storylines, some really interesting questions that need to be answered. And that's what I'm going to try to do with you all fine listeners coming up next after a quick break. John Filippo asked to move on. What implications could that have not only on the Packers, but on the rest of the NFL and the Kirk Cousins situation? I've heard a lot of different takes, and I don't think any of them were very good. I'm going to be completely honest. So I'm going to try to do my best to give a contextualized take on Kirk Cousins and that situation for the Minnesota Vikings. You're coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. More in a minute. Yeah, I thought we played our rear ends off on defense tonight. So, yeah, it was discouraging. There's the voice of Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer after a disappointing loss in Seattle last night to wrap up the NFL's Week 14. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. And I know we normally are a little Packers-centric. Obviously, we are the Wisco Sports Show. And I talked about this a little bit in the first segment. Normally, I'm, I'm not trying to dance on the graves of of Vikings fans after last night, although their season's not over by any stretch of the imagination. But a lot of pertinent storylines and a lot of pertinent things coming from last night's game. It was not just a run-of-the-mill loss as some serious things and some serious implications on the rest of the league and, and the conference and the division. So today they let go John Filippo, the offensive coordinator. Uh, and I think a lot of people around the league were really high on Filippo, saying this is a guy who's going to get nods for Head coaching openings, including the Green Bay Packers. I've, I've heard that name thrown around by a lot of Packers writers and pundits and and saying that he's going to get an interview, and I, I believe he still will. I don't know if this changes things, but I think the the consensus today for most people that I heard was he's kind of taken the fall as a scapegoat. And I guess if you look at Zimmer's history, and we'll get into that here in a couple of minutes, if you look at Zimmer's history with his offensive coordinators during his time in Minnesota, it, it hasn't exactly been smooth sailing, uh, and, and the offense just, I don't think, has performed up to the level that we all thought and that we desired, especially last night in a primetime game, Monday night, even in a tough uh, environment, only one score and it was coming at the end in garbage time. I mean, only one score, even if it wasn't garbage time, it was, just, it was just an ugly game and not a whole lot going on on offense for the Minnesota Vikings. That's all we got, one damn hit. Yeah, I guess only only one hit and only one touchdown for the Vikes last night and it was just about as meaningless as, as scores can be. And I think that was maybe the straw that broke the camel's back. As it turns out, a lot of tension, I think, between John Filippo, now the former offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings, and Mike Zimmer, 
and I was doing a little bit of reading today. When I read pieces about sports, obviously I'm focused on the the Packers, the Brewers, the Badgers, depending on what season we're in. And I do a lot of reading. Uh, I actually have a subscription to The Athletic. I think they do a really good job. And I do follow the Vikings on there as well. And it's some interesting perspective because it's a, a universe, for lack of a better term, that I don't really follow that closely. I, I don't really follow what the beat writers have to say. And I don't follow a lot of Vikings people on Twitter. One paragraph uh, and and a quotation from last night's press conference really jumped out to me in this article says Zimmer's straight talking style has made him a popular figure in town but it has also put him at a bit of a precarious position as the Vikings enter a crucial three-game stretch to try to solidify a playoff spot he has not hidden his disapproval for DeFilippo's performance lobbying on several occasions for a more balanced attack he doubled down on that position in the wake of the loss on Monday night now here's the quote from the press conference There was a couple of plays that we didn't execute well enough, Zimmer said, and there were a couple that we probably could have called something better. So I I don't know if that's even a veiled shot. I think it's just a little bit of a jab uh, at, you know, the offensive play calling and the scheme and the design. Now, the more I read about it and the more I guess I just think because it is a little bit obvious and it is a tad full of common sense, too, for sports fans to, to just pick this out and realize. I think Mike Zimmer wants just a little bit simpler. I think he wants a little bit more conservative play style on offense. And then I think Pat Shermer last year really exemplified that a lot of dink and dunk stuff. And when I say dink and dunk, that's not necessarily a slight, but a lot of short routes, a lot of the ball coming out quick to help out case Keenum, who I think we can all agree is probably not a top five quarterback in the league, right? And maybe not even top 10 helping him out slow drag routes and getting the ball into the hands of Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs and letting them do a lot of the work in space yards after the catch. Because I think that's something that makes Stephon Diggs really, really good. Getting the ball in space and letting him work. Very fast, very shifty. And I think Filippo this year wanted to push the ball down the field. Wanted to take shots. And it actually blew my mind. And I do have, not that this is pertinent at all, it's just something that, that brought this to my attention. I do have Dalvin Cook on one of my fantasy football teams. And his production has been interesting this year. I, I just don't think the Vikings are using him as much as a lot of people expected. The Vikings are actually on pace to have some of the fewest amount of carries since the merger. I mean, this team is historically low when it comes to running the football. And I I don't think they're a horrible running team. I think they have a good backfield, and I think they have a solid enough offensive line. I think their woes on the offensive line have been exaggerated a little bit. There's plenty of teams that have lackluster offensive line play. That's something you just, at some point, have to scheme around, which is maybe why DiFilippo was eventually shown the door today. They don't run the ball a whole lot. And I think Zimmer is more of, let our defense be the star of the show. Let his defense be the star of the show, I should say. And play complimentary football on the other side. Run the ball. You know, make sure we're getting closer to four or five yards of carry rather than two or three. Get Dalvin Cook a certain amount of touches. Get Latavius Murray involved. Run some screen plays. Run some dink and dunk stuff. We saw some sweet plays last night. One to Adam Thielen, which was called back because of a hold. I just don't think Zimmer is desiring a high-flying, you know, guns-blazing style of offense. I don't think that's what he wants. And that's a lot of what I read today as well, which kind of confirmed my suspicion. And I think Pat Shermer last year was a good example and and maybe what he's trying to do now in New York. Obviously, he has quite the weapon in Saquon Barkley to establish that running game that Zimmer probably desired and probably misses now that Shermer is gone. I don't know. Some strong words from Mike Zimmer last night, and he didn't exactly mince words in his press conference. And that was reiterated in this piece that I read uh, from Zach Pierce. Vikings beat reporter for The Athletic did a really cool job. And I can tweet that article out as well. You can follow me at Keystroker Grant. You follow the station at 
WKTY. You can tweet at me or at the station if you want to get involved with the program as well. Coming up at 5.30, we're going to start talking a little Packers. Even though we are indirectly talking Packers, we're talking about their division rival and their coaching situation and and what their future might look like, which definitely impacts the Packers. Uh, But we're going to talk Packers in the truest sense. Andrew Brandt for the Monday Morning Quarterback released a really interesting piece just earlier today about the inner workings of the Green Bay front office and and his assumptions in how the Mike McCarthy situation was handled and his assumptions on what the Packers are doing right now as we speak and moving forward in the coaching search. So we're going to talk about that. Coming up at quarter to six, we're also going to talk to CBS 8's Nate Myhock, photojournalist who was covering the game yesterday, was in the locker room and kind of had an inside look, able to get a vibe at maybe how the locker room was different this week as opposed to previous weeks. So we're going to talk to him at about 5.45, get his thoughts uh, on uh, and his reactions to what he saw at Lambeau Field on Sunday from the inside. So I'm excited for that, too. Uh, one thing that I did want to talk about and touch on was Kirk Cousins as well, because I heard a lot of talk today, and I don't think anybody did a good job. There were people who defended Kirk Cousins, and there were people who blamed Kirk Cousins. Now, football is not played in a vacuum, and NFL offenses don't play in a vacuum, and neither do quarterbacks. You can't just look at Kirk Cousins and say he is a bad quarterback. He is a bad player. You need to apply a little context. What does he have around him? What team is he on? What kind of defense is he playing with? What kind of team is he playing against? And where is he playing them? Like last night in Seattle. That needs to be taken into account, obviously. But there were people who came out this morning and said, it's not Kirk Cousins' fault. Any quarterback would be playing this bad in this situation. And I don't buy into that. And then there were other uh, pundits and other writers who were saying, Kirk Cousins is a bust. And he is. I literally saw Bleacher Report headlight this morning uh, that said, Kirk Cousins robbed the Vikings of $82 million. And I don't think that's true at all. There's some middle ground here, and that's kind of the stance I wanted to take. I know he's getting paid a lot of guaranteed money. I know that. But if I was the Minnesota Vikings, I would still feel good about that signing. I think you upgraded and you stabilized your quarterback position. Now, that might come back to bite me, uh, and Kirk Cousins might just continue to decline and get worse and worse, and maybe it never works out. I don't know. And they're and they're really strapped for cash because of the way that contract is structured. Maybe. But if I'm the Vikings, I don't regret signing Kirk Cousins. Not at all. I, I think he, he still gives you what you were looking for. Here's a couple of tidbits. And I know these statistics were getting thrown around and they were getting thrown out of proportion, I think. But they are meaningful. I'm not saying these are throwaway stats. I'm saying you need to apply some context. So Kirk Cousins' career stats, just a couple. Record in primetime games, which is interesting. I don't know how meaningful it is. He's 5-13 and 13 in primetime games, standalone games. Whether that's Sunday night football, Monday night, Thursday night football. Now, look, the interesting thing that can be said is Monday night football, you're off of your schedule a little bit. Thursday night football, you're playing on a short week. Those games are just tougher to win in. I'm not taking that away, but it's something you start to notice. 5-13 and 13 in standalone games where they're probably matched up against tougher teams, right? They typically don't schedule Vikings-Bills, although that's a game they lost as well, for Monday night football. That's not intriguing. You need a good matchup, and the Seahawks are a good team and a good matchup. So those games are going to be a little challenging. Continuing along that path, Kirk Cousins against winning teams in his career is 4-24. and 24. Career stat line, 4-24 and 24 against winning teams. Sounding a little bit like Matt Stafford. I think that has kind of came to light the last two years, that Matt Stafford really doesn't beat good teams, doesn't win on the road, doesn't win in primetime games. Maybe you can draw some parallels. I don't know. Now they're division rivals. Record versus winning teams this year is 0-5. Should be 0-6 because they should have lost to the Packers, but that's neither here nor there. Not what we're talking about. Career road record is 12-23-2, and two, and his career record on Monday Night Football, which is just more of a footnote in my opinion, is 0-7. If you're 5-13 and 13 in primetime games, your Monday Night Football record is obviously not going to look great, and he is 0-7 in Monday Night, which I think is just an interesting tidbit. I don't know how much it means. Look, these kind of stats can be very misleading, and I want to apply just a little bit of context. Matt Stafford plays in Detroit. He has never had a running game. He has never had a defense, and I don't think anybody would exactly push back 
on me saying that the Detroit Lions are not exactly a football factory and a well-run organization that is competitive every year. All right, I, I don't think that's, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Matt Stafford is terrible in his career against teams over 500 and against winning teams, playoff teams. Now, after a couple of years and a couple of go-rounds on bad teams without running games and without defenses, you can kind of say, well, I don't exactly know if it's fair to assess Matt Stafford in that way. But now Matt Stafford has been in the league over 10 years. I believe he was drafted in 2008, if not close to a decade. He doesn't beat good teams. He doesn't show up in big games. He doesn't win playoff games. He doesn't get to the playoffs. Now, I know a lot of that has to do with the running game. I know a lot of that has to do with the defense. But look at Aaron Rodgers. Look at Drew Brees. Look at uh, a guy like Jared Goff last year. They didn't have much of a defense last year. Russell Wilson. Guys who, no matter how bad their supporting cast has been at times, and I know it's fluctuated for all of those quarterbacks, still haven't shrunk and disappeared and looked awful. And Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford alike now, I think we have some parallels that they've looked bad. Kirk Cousins in Washington, I wouldn't take any of those stats seriously because I don't respect Washington really as a football organization and what they do. I don't think they do a good job and they don't win games and they're historically awful. Look at what they are this year. So his record against winning games or winning teams, excuse me, when he was in Washington, I don't really care. Primetime games, I don't really care. You're not going to win a lot of games there. Organization was never behind him. But now he's on Minnesota. He's got a really good defense and he's got two great wide receivers and a veteran tight end. And two really good running backs. I don't care about the offensive line. I don't care if they're starting a college offensive line. Bad offensive lines are something you occasionally have to deal with. Packers have seen that. Vikings have seen that. Lions have seen that. Seahawks have seen it. It doesn't matter. He needs to win some of these games. And I like Kirk Cousins. I thought it was a brilliant move no matter what the price tag for the Vikings to bring him in. But at some point you start to look at these stats and you start to scratch your head and you say, well, maybe. Maybe it wasn't just the dysfunction in Washington. Maybe... He's just a guy who's not super consistent. Maybe he's more Matt Stafford than he is Matt Ryan. Definitely not up there with Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. But maybe he is more of a Matt Stafford. Not even a Matt Ryan. I don't know. It's an interesting statistic, and it'll be interesting to watch going forward. Is he? I, I Look, I don't think the Vikings are going to part ways with Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's going to play out this contract because it doesn't make sense for them to part ways. See what he does the next couple of years. With, assumedly, a pretty good defense and good weapons around him, Got to start winning some of those games. He didn't rob the Vikings of $82 million. He's not without blame. He's somewhere in the middle. And I think as time goes on and we see more of Kirk Cousins in a purple and, and white jersey, that we're going to learn a little bit more. And, and I'm really fascinated to see. So this is a case study I want to come back and, and monitor. Is he going to turn into more of a Matt Stafford or more of a Russell Wilson? Which end of the spectrum is he going to end up on? I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. We're going to talk about Packers coming up next. Andrew Brandt breaking down a couple really interesting things and some really cool nuggets I want to share with you from his piece. Came out this morning in the Monday Morning Quarterback about the inner workings of the Packers front office and maybe what the upcoming hiring process and selection process of the next head coach for the Green and Gold. What it might look like. I'll share all that with you coming up next. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're, you're listening to WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, both at 96.7 FM and 5.80 AM. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk to Nate Myhock, photojournalist over at uh, News 8. He was covering the game yesterday, was in the locker room, got a chance to connect with a couple of players, and I think he brings a really interesting perspective on maybe how the vibe was different yesterday than in weeks past. So we're going to talk to him coming up in about 10 minutes. Don't forget, local action here on WKTY tonight, West Salem and on Alaska in what could be a telling non-conference matchup. Drew Kelly will bring you the call around 7 o'clock. You can listen here as you're listening now or stream at WK2iSports.com 
or listen on our mobile app. So a lot of fun stuff on the way here on WKTY and on the Wisco Sports Show. Uh, this morning, a really interesting piece came out, and, and you can all go read it. I retweeted it on my Twitter account right before we went on air. So if you haven't checked it out, you can go do so. My Twitter account is at Grant. You can find it there. Andrew Brandt, somebody who worked in the Packers front office for a long time with Ted Thompson and Brian Gutekunst, Mike McCarthy, was there when McCarthy was hired and was part of that process, sharing a little bit of perspective through Sports Illustrated and through the Monday Morning Quarterback. And he, he tackled a lot of different subjects, a lot of different fronts, and a lot of different tidbits. And I, and I said nuggets in my tweets because it is a fun read. Uh, it's interesting to hear his narrative and hear his perspective in terms of statistics or details. There are a couple really interesting nuggets, and that's kind of what I want to dig into. You can join in on the digging as well. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line, always wide open when I'm sitting behind the board here at WKTY. So a couple of things that Andrew Brand talked about. He started at the beginning how the original hire of Ted Thompson and then Mike McCarthy went down, and I think we're familiar enough with that story, and you can absolutely read the story, and I would encourage you to read the story if you're uh, looking for any more details and some personal anecdotes as well. The interesting part of this article that I found was Andrew Brandt's speculation on what the Packers may be doing right now and the -the behind-the-scenes thinking, particularly uh, with the firing of Mike McCarthy, why it was done at the time it was done, and, and maybe what they're doing now. And obviously, Andrew Brandt no longer working in the Packers' front office, but As slow and as infrequently as change happens at 1265 Lombardi, I'd like to think that somebody who is working in the Packers front office in the last 10 years would be pretty familiar with the thinking of people who are still working there, like Brian Gutekunst and some other uh, front office members and Mike McCarthy, obviously, up until very recently, some scouting. And and now the the Packers front office is kind of disbanded uh, with Reggie McKenzie and John Schneider, obviously going and doing their own things. And Alonzo Highsmith, Elliot Wolf and John Dorsey now all down in Cleveland. But I'd like to think Andrew Brandt still has a pretty good pretty good pulse and pretty good feeling for how that front office may be thinking about things. And I want to start by sharing something he had to say about the relationship between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. As a guy who was there when they first got connected in 2008 or 2005, I guess, when they were drafted, obviously didn't start and didn't work with Mike in an extended capacity until 2008. And this is what he had to say. I'm going to read this verbatim uh, and, and I think this is really interesting. It's a lot of, I can only think this way or I would imagine this. So it's Andrew Brandt taking his prior knowledge and applying it to what is going on currently with the Green Bay Packers. This is what he said. I never heard of any friction between Mike and Aaron. I can only surmise what many have, the inevitability of staleness in a 13-year relationship. Speaking from personal experience, I had a strong inner sense that it was time for me to leave after nine years in Green Bay. Perhaps Mike had that inner sense too, and the decision from the other side was expected and perhaps even welcome. For whatever reason, the partnership between Mike and Aaron and perhaps Mike in the front office seemed frayed. And this is in italics. Not broken, not severed, but frayed. And change was needed. A chunk about uh, the relationship between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. And I believe we talked about uh, this exact tidbit on the program last week here on the Wisco Sports Show. It was of my assumption and my understanding that the business relationship from Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers was probably frayed and probably worn out. And they probably got sick and tired of working together. But I can't... And I'll make an off-the-cuff analogy here. I've been in bands with friends before. Uh, I'm a musician, play both little guitar, little piano, do a little singing. And I've been in, in three or four bands now in my lifetime. And you obviously start bands with people you're friends with, right? Uh, people that you know closely and you're comfortable with working. And you remain friends, but maybe the relationship 
through the band and, and through working together and, and trying to learn songs and, and book gigs and all of these different things about the way the band should be managed and the music should be managed, your professional relationship, quote unquote, and I'm talking about a garage band here, so professional is obviously used loosely, your professional relationship starts to wear down. You're less excited about working together. You're less excited about meeting to practice. And I think that was probably some of the case with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. We've seen in the NFL before, great examples in Pittsburgh, or heck, even in New England, where there has been personal spats, where it has looked personal. It's not just a football disagreement, but it is something deeper, whether it was with Todd Haley and Ben Roethlisberger, or uh, Tom Brady and, and, uh, not Sean McDaniels, what the heck's his name? Uh, Josh McDaniels, thank you, Uh, where it's actually looked personal on the sideline, where there's been yelling, where it's come to a breaking point. Now, they never had a public breaking point. I know there's been some shots in press conferences, and and we can only assume maybe what happened behind closed doors. I'd like to think the professional relationship of Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers just got tired, much like it does in a band after a couple of years. And you see that with professional musicians, too, who are making millions of dollars. It doesn't get any easier. You just get tired of working together. You get less excited about learning new songs, writing new music, performing, loading up a, a van and a trailer full of equipment and driving an hour to go play a gig for little to no money. The excitement just starts to wear off. And some of that stress kind of infiltrates just every part of everything. And I think that's what happened with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. From everything that I've read, from things that I've seen in press conferences and on the sideline, that's, that's kind of my final take on it. And it's not something that needs to be talked about a whole lot moving forward. But Andrew Brand, I think, shining some interesting perspective on it in his Monday morning uh, quarterback article. Something else that he talked about was why they chose to let go of Mike McCarthy when they chose to let go of Mike McCarthy. And, And something that was talked about was, was it fair of the Green Bay Packers to cut him loose with time left in the season? And my take was, and last week I reiterated this over and over again because it was applied to a lot of what was going on last week. It's okay to do things differently than it's always been done. It's okay to let go a Super Bowl winning head coach before the season's over. It's okay to let a coach go before the season's over because that's so unprecedented for the Green Bay Packers. It's okay to do that. It's okay, depending on the situation, to perhaps let the head coach back into the facility after being fired to address his team and address his coaching staff. It's not normal, but it's okay to do things differently than they've always been done. And I think this is maybe a peek into the Packers' thinking regarding why they let go Mike McCarthy when they did. Not just... You know, for respect for Mike, for him to get a head start and and to avoid a lot of speculation and a lot of stress and negative talk. This is what Andrew Brand had to say about it, and I thought it was really interesting. My sense is that the Packers have their eye on a candidate that they wanted to contact now, not someone currently working for an NFL team, rather than having to wait until January. Absent a candidate outside the league, why make this move now to simply interview NFL coaches under contract until after the season? I believe they did not want to reach out to a candidate while Mike had the position. I do not know who that candidate might be, but it's likely a college coach who has time to interview before heavy bowl game playoff college preparation begins in a week or so. Interesting. And, and, you know, maybe that was a thought, but this is the first time I've seen it articulated in an article that I have read. And by Andrew Brandt, somebody who's familiar with the way Mark Murphy does things and Brian Gutekunst and the rest of that culture in that Packers front office, how they do things, how they go about their business. He says, my sense is that the Packers have their eye on a candidate that they wanted to contact now, somebody not currently working for an NFL team. Because remember, if the Packers were only interested, only interested in looking at candidates who were currently on an NFL coaching staff somewhere, it, it's really not advantageous to let Mike go now. Because you can't really do a whole lot. You can't interview. You can't make too strong a contact now, especially if you have enough respect for Mike McCarthy to not be doing things like that behind his back. 
So Andrew Brandt with a little bit of speculation that maybe the Packers are looking at someone who's A, either taking a year off or taking some time off from coaching and looking to get back in. So they're free to interview when and how they want. Or maybe a college coach who's got a little bit of time off between now and his bowl and they want a chance to maybe make that first contact. Maybe make the first impression before other NFL teams do. I think that's really, I think that's logical thinking. I think that's rational thinking. Because I think you don't just let go of a coach to, what's the best term, put him out of his misery, which I think would went hand in hand with a Mike McCarthy firing, but you don't just fire a head coach middle of the season for the first time in franchise history, especially a Super Bowl winning coach, for no reason. And I think Andrew Brandt did a really good job of articulating maybe what that behind the scenes thinking was. Looking for a coach who's not on a current NFL roster or an NFL coaching staff, or maybe someone in college who has a little bit of free time right now before they begin preparation for a bowl game. I think it's really interesting thinking. You can share your thoughts, 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line, open for your thoughts all the time. Uh, and I tweeted this this Monday morning quarter, uh, quarterback, this Sports Illustrated article, out on my Twitter account, at Keystroker Grant. You can throw me a follow if you want to uh, stay connected with what's going on in the program. Because even if you don't like me, you hate my takes, but you're a listener of the show, it allows you to kind of stay in the loop because a lot of times if I do find a piece that's really interesting or I'm referencing uh, an article or a statistic, I'll oftentimes tweet it out or retweet it just so you guys can familiarize yourself with it and, and get a firsthand view at exactly what it is I'm talking about and bringing uh, to the airwaves here on WKTY during the Wisco Sports Show. So throw me a follow if you feel so inclined. Not just trying to raise my follower count, but I, I think it's advantageous for both parties. You guys can stay more connected with me, and I have a way to, to get you some material that I really can't throw out over the radio, like an article. So check out the Andrew Brandt piece. You can find it on my Twitter account if you haven't already. Some really interesting nuggets. It's not just analytics and statistics and names and it's it's a little bit of personal stories and some personal anecdotes which is pretty cool i like when that makes its way into uh, into football writing as well so uh coming up next we're going to take a quick break and we're going to welcome in nate myhawk sports reporter for cbs 8 right here in town he was covering the vikings game yesterday they're not the vikings game the packers uh falcons game on sunday and he was in that locker room and said there was a little bit of a different vibe this week than he had seen in previous weeks maybe a little bit of a pall or a little bit of uh, some stress was lifted and I want to ask him about that coming up next. He'll join us on the five-star telecom talk and text line to wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be good stuff, I promise. Nate's got it together, and we'll talk to him coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment here on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. I have to remind you, because if I don't, I forget. I promise, Dave, uh, that I would remind you tomorrow morning, uh, Bucks uh, co-owner and president Peter Fagan is going to be on the show. And the Bucks got a huge win this weekend, something that I want to get into tomorrow. Kind of got into this good habit of talking basketball on Wednesday. So I'm excited to talk a little Bucks basketball tomorrow. A big weekend for the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, Dave and Scrady will have Peter Fagan on tomorrow. So make sure you're tuning in. Uh, tonight, local action, West Salem and on Alaska. Drew Kelly will bring you that call just around 7 o'clock on the same place you were listening right now here on WKTY. Could be a telling non-conference matchup and very intriguing. You can also stream live on our mobile app and at WKTYsports.com. Right now, we are joined on the five-star telecom talking text line uh, by Nate Myhock, photojournalist at CBS 8 here in town, News 8. He was able to cover the game on Sunday. Nate and I also do a podcast, which you should definitely check out every Wednesday. Uh, you can find that on my Twitter account, Three Guys One Pod with Ryan Giannone, who has also been on the show, a sports reporter over at CBS as well. Nate, how are you doing today, man? Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. 
No, I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for making a little time during our uh, during our busy finals week. So the Packers get a, I would characterize it as a feel-good win. I don't know if you'd agree. I don't know if it means much, uh, but it was a feel-good win on Sunday, and we were both at Lambeau Field. Obviously, you're a little bit more up close and personal. What were your thoughts? It, it had felt like a while since I had enjoyed a Packer game, and, and Sunday felt a little bit different to me. <laughs> I mean, you're right when you say it, it was a feel-good win, and you could finally enjoy watching a Packer game. It feels like it's been a few months since we really had that. But um, <clears throat> the things, I guess, that just really stood out to me while watching this game was I'm not ready to say that Aaron Rodgers is back to form, but there were times on Sunday where it felt that way. And I don't know if you picked up on it, but it looked like he was starting to make some throws that were more accustomed to him making. Um, finally was able to get into a bit of a rhythm there. He did take some sacks, obviously, but I, I would accredit that to uh, the old line Injuries, kind of poor play throughout the season as they've kind of been plagued by that. But I was really impressed with, with how they played. And, and you're right, it was a feel-good win. It may, it may not mean much later on in the season. Obviously, I don't think they're they're going to make the playoffs. There's still a chance. Still a chance, it, man. It's, there, it's, it's a very much a long shot. Yes, so it is. A feel-good win for sure. And I, I really liked what I saw out of the offense. Finally seemed like we got the offense clicking. First time scoring. 30 points all season, if I'm not mistaken. It was at least a season high for them, 34 points. So, yeah, definitely just a feel-good win, something that we haven't seen in a long time. If nothing else, something we can enjoy. And, well, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers because you brought it up. I, I think he did look better. I didn't know. Well, he wasn't throwing balls into the turf. Okay, that's we can, you know, he improved in that facet. He looked a little bit more escapable. He looked a little bit quicker on his feet. Um, but he still had a couple of throwaways. He did miss some open receivers early. Uh, do, do you think Aaron Rodgers is th- this season is a lost cause, or do you think it's going to take someone to come in and strip it all down and rework his mechanics? Because like we did see a couple small improvements, but I thought overall he looked pretty similar, minus some some really brutal mistakes on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I you know it's tough to tell. It really yeah. is, especially because you don't know what exactly the problem is with Aaron Rodgers. Is it? His knee, is that still not fully healthy? Is it kind of getting sick of the same old system that he's had the same coach for almost his entire career up until just his last week? So, you know, it, it, it really is tough to tell, but I tend to believe maybe it will take somebody that is not so much willing to strip him completely of his mechanics because sure. I feel like that's part of what makes him so good and so unique as a quarterback. But somebody that's willing to steer him in the right direction, kind of keep him focused and kind of not afraid to, to, to rein him in a little bit. I know uh, that piece came out a couple of weeks ago. I believe it was on uh, Sports Illustrated talking about how when Mike Holmgren was the head coach of the Packers and he had Brett Favre, who was a gunslinger, as we know, and especially in his younger days, was not afraid to get really wild with the football. Yeah. You would, he would rein him in saying, I'm, I'm going to bench here. I'm going to fire Andy Reid if you don't <laughs> calm down with with these on-the-field antics. So I don't think we need somebody that extreme for Aaron Rodgers, but somebody that's, that's able to, to rein him in a little bit, I think would definitely help uh, keep him more stable instead of these ups and downs of, as we've seen this season. Man, I love that, threatening to fire Andy Reid. We talked about this on the program, and I'd forgotten about that. That's one way to motivate your quarterback. I love that. Nate Myhock, photojournalist at News 8 here in town, was covering the game on Sunday. I want to ask you about what was going on in the locker room because it just seemed like... like there was stress. There was a pall in the locker room from the interviews that I listened, and I'm obviously not able to be there like you are. Uh, and, and Mike McCarthy was let go. I, I just think the mood changed. Players weren't asked about the 
the McCarthy Rogers rift. They weren't asked, you know, has McCarthy lost the team? I, I think the mood just shifted. What did you feel when you were interacting with some of the players and, and during some of those interviews on Sunday afternoon? Well, the biggest thing that I noticed was it just felt more relaxed. I mean, it wasn't so much rah rah. We went out there, we got this win. It just felt more some weight was lifted off yeah. off of these guys' shoulders, and and you could definitely sense it just in their attitude, the way they answered questions, the way they carried themselves, just the whole atmosphere of the locker room was much more relaxed than I would imagine it would have been just a couple of weeks ago after a few of those tough losses, or even last week losing to the Cardinals. So. It definitely, you could say there was a change, um, and maybe this game would have meant a little bit more, that the atmosphere would have been a little little bit more upbeat had this game had some major playoff implications, as a lot of people might have been expecting earlier on in the season. Yeah. But just knowing that you could still come out, uh, despite this week that they had with McCarthy being fired, Joe Philbin kind of being thrown in as the interim head coach, it just felt as if the, the players could breathe a little bit, and it was a little... It was nice to see, especially as someone in the media and also, and to be honest, a, a big Packers fan. Yeah. So it, it was nice to see it from that angle. Yeah, and, and Nate, I, I completely agree with you. I would imagine there was just a stress taken out of the air. There was one thing you didn't have to worry about. And, and last question for you here, because we get it, we do got to run here in a couple of minutes. The NFC has gone from a powerhouse that is way superior to the AFC to a middle of the pack with a bunch of underperforming teams who are now all collapsing. Vikings, uh, Panthers, Washington's looked brutal. Green Bay has looked brutal. Somebody's got to come out of this mess. So so who are you taking as, as your two wild cards now as the divisions look pretty close to decided? Uh, what what do you think? How do you think it's going to shape up? Just for fun, I want to ask you. Um, you know, Seattle's playing really well right now, and, and they remind me a lot of, I'm not going to say they're as good, but they remind me a lot of their Super Bowl teams just a few years ago. Yeah. Teams that could run the football, their defense was really good, and they didn't have to rely too much on Russell Wilson making plays. And now I think Russell Wilson's better than he was when they made those two trips to the Super Bowl. So that's obviously another piece in, uh, or another weapon that they have on the offensive side of the ball. So I really like the Seahawks making it out of the NFC West, getting that wild card spot. Um, as for the rest of the NFC, you know, that, that's tough. Uh, cause, yeah, as you said, the Panthers are sliding. The Falcons, I think, are dead this year. The, the Buccaneers are dead. So I don't know if the NFC South is going to produce a, a wild card team. I, I, the Vikings, it's going to hinder a lot on what we see in these next couple of weeks. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if their Week 17 game against the Bears actually ends up deciding if they make the wild card or not. Um, and then... I think if I had to put money on it, I would say maybe Philadelphia coming out of the East. I I, I truly believe the Cowboys are going to actually win this division, the, just the way they've been looking <laughs> the past few weeks. Yeah, um, that would have been some crazy to say about like week two or week three. But um, Seahawks for sure, I think are going to eventually keep it going and get into the playoffs. The Eagles, I'm not super confident, but I, I do see them possibly, possibly being that that six seed in the NFC this season. Well, I think you trust Carson Wentz, and I think you trust Doug Peterson if, if you're just talking about quarterbacks, and, and Kirk Cousins hasn't looked spectacular. That's kind of what we talked about earlier today. Nate, thanks so much. Uh, keep up the good work over there at CBS, and then we'll have you back. Just keep bringing the good stuff, man. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you, Grant. Yeah, have a good week, Nate, and uh, and thanks for joining the Wisco Sports Show. Nate Myhock, Sports 8, or uh, News 8, excuse me, over at CBS has been doing a lot of good things over there and was covering the Packers game 
on Sunday, and, and it provides an interesting perspective, right? And especially when we talk about mood and vibe and what the feel of a team is like, you know, that's really one of the only ways that you can figure it out. You have to be in the locker room. You have to talk to these players. You have to interact with these players. And and I was thinking earlier today, talking about that Paul, that stress being lifted away, I, it made me think of Thanksgiving dinner when you have two relatives who you know don't like each other. They don't really want to interact, but you know, like something could set it off. Maybe there's an argument and the rest of the family sitting around the table, just knowing in the back of their mind, oh man, we got this, we got this beef right now between, you know, I'll just say, uh, uncle Sam and, and, you know, cousin Mel, and they're just about to go at it at any second. And and that's stressful, right? You're trying to eat your meal and enjoy it, but you're like, oh man, I don't know when that's going to happen. And I feel like maybe with McCarthy and Rogers, especially as much as it was played up now that that dynamic is gone, it's a little bit more relaxed. It's a little bit more enjoyable and, and players can finally take a deep breath. I don't know. That's an analogy I would try to use. Who knows? I'm not an NFL player, and Nate was luckily uh, in that locker room and was able to share uh, that little bit of speculation. Do not forget, I told Dave I would pass along the news, and I'll, I'll make sure to say it again. Peter Fagan, uh, one of the Bucks' owners and, and president, current president right now of the Milwaukee Bucks, is going to be joining Mornings with Dave and Scrady tomorrow to talk about the Bucks' success. And obviously, they just made a big trade, got a big win against the Raptors this weekend, so they're going to keep the Bucks' talk going tomorrow. Local action tonight here on WKTY. Uh, West Salem on Alaska in what could be a good opening look at two of these teams in a non-conference matchup. Drew Kelly will bring you the call right around 7 o'clock, so you don't have to wait very long. Uh, you can listen here or stream live at WKTYsports.com or on our mobile app. Tomorrow, I want to dig into some basketball talk, a little bit of Bucks, a little bit of Wisconsin Badgers basketball because they had a frustrating loss at Marquette, and they're bouncing around the rankings a little bit. So we got to talk about that tomorrow. And, of course, we'll keep the Packers talk going as the playoffs maybe... I know it's only like a 5% chance, but you look at the situations, maybe not as far-fetched as you might want to think. So we'll get into that tomorrow as well. Same time, same place. Can't wait to talk to you then.